Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taiwan Talk, a show where we explore news and topics from and about Taiwan. I'm today's host, Trevor Tordomasi, and for this episode, I'm speaking with James Wong, a YouTuber here in Taiwan. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Apart from online content creation, James also works as an actor, a model, and a teacher. A little bit more about myself. So my name is James. Um, as you may guess from my accent, I'm from England. Um, however, I'm not fully English. My dad is, in fact, from Hong Kong. My mother is British, so I am half Asian, half Caucasian, living here in Taiwan. And one more thing about James that I find absolutely inspiring. He was born with profound hearing loss, but he hasn't let it slow him down in the slightest. He has talked openly in his videos about overcoming this hurdle, but I'll let him explain for himself in a moment. For this interview, the epidemic kept us in our respective boxes, but I had been meaning to speak with James for a while, so I'm happy I finally got the chance to jump on a video call. I've noticed that the earliest video on your channel is from around August 2019, I believe. Yes. Um, that means you've been making videos during the pandemic for longer than you've been making them outside the pandemic. So my, my YouTube adventure experience actually began way back in 2009. Um, I made my first video back then, and that is the year I started doing parkour. So that's, oh. you have a secret channel behind there too. Um, I would say I just separated them. I wanted a, a okay. fresh start and that's what it was. So from that point, I just started looking at how to make better videos, how to film better, how to edit better. And this was the first video I ever made where I was speaking to the camera. So it was a very different experience. And telling a story is, is very different to just showing off some parkour moves. And one of the reasons I did it is because it felt uncomfortable. One of the things I like to do is push myself into uncomfortable like situations and get better at things that I'm not good at. And so I thought, you know, I if I film in front of the camera and I'm really awkward and bad at it, I'll get better. But also it helped with the, um, the acting and the modeling stuff too. Something that you brought up in one of your videos that really uh, resonated with me was, um, I want to get the quote right, uh, find someone who shouldn't be good at what they do, but manage to do it anyway. Uh, I, I don't know what else to add on to that, except I really like the quote. Uh, what's been your experience with that? I think I got that quote from someone called Tim Ferriss. And yeah, that's one of the things that he sort of lived by. I couldn't find the exact quote, so I kind of made my own quote. I genuinely believe like you shouldn't be trying to learn from these experts. Like if you look at the best football player in the world, just because he's awesome at football doesn't necessarily mean he's the best coach and he's he's got the pattern that you should follow. You know, people have great genetics. People have like lucky environments. And of course, yeah, they worked hard too. But a lot of it is the other aspect. Now, if you find someone, for example, there's a skateboarder who's blind, or there's the person who does rock climbing with only one hand. Like these people have a clear disadvantage of what they were doing, and yet they've managed to excel and be better than 99% of the population at what they do. Well, you've, you've had to overcome something yourself as well. You mentioned in your videos that you have been deaf since mm. birth. Now, I'll be honest, I had thought that the word deaf meant no hearing at all. I guess a lot of people have heard of the term legally blind, uh, you know, by, by sort of law or whatever thing it is, they are blind. On paper, they are blind, but they can right. still see to some degree, right? I was born with a profound hearing loss, which ranges between 50 to 80% of loss in both ears, depending on what sort of high tone or low tone you're looking at. 
Um, so it's quite severe and without hearing aids, I, I wouldn't be able to achieve anything in life that I've already achieved. There's no way. But with hearing aids, it's able to boost the hearing that I do have to an 100% level, which is fantastic. Because if I had absolutely no hearing at all, there'd be nothing to boost. However, it doesn't mean I can hear perfectly. It's not like where people with glasses, they, they're a bit blurry, they put glasses on, okay, they're pretty much 100%. Hearing is far more complex than that. There's so many, the brain is doing so much work to ignore certain sounds, to tune into people's voices, to figure stuff out. And it's doing, the brain is doing incredible stuff to help uh, what you are hearing. And technology, as good as it is right now, isn't at the point where it can completely mimic the human brain. James has also made it clear how grateful he is for his family. Their support has helped him confidently navigate a world in which most of us take our hearing for granted. My parents initially were quite concerned. They, they wanted a normal life for me, uh, a mainstream life, I should say. In the city I live, there's quite a big deaf community. But if anyone is deaf, they are put into this community and it's automatically assumed that the best life for them is to be in this community and only being able to sign. And there are people that are less deaf than I am who can't speak and only do sign language. So I visited, well, my parents visited this charity and saw other deaf people speaking. This girl got on stage and spoke to a crowd. And my parents were like, oh my God, like it's possible. This, this girl can do it. So there's hope for my son. And so from that point, I think the charity gave some guidance and my mom like spoke to me every day, just gave me as much input as I could. Um, it taught me to speech therapy. So yeah, super That's great for my That's parents. So now James's YouTube adventure has come a long way since then, and his videos have begun to reach hundreds of thousands of people. And I've got to be honest, as an avid audio and video editor myself, I was just really excited to finally have someone to talk to about it. When I initially started my channel, the focus was I'm a deaf person who's learned Mandarin Chinese. Mm -hmm. So that was the main focus. And it, it did okay. And then I made a video about Taiwan and the coronavirus. And this was you know, a year ago when Taiwan was doing absolutely amazing when everyone else was doing badly. So I thought I'd make a video and show the world how awesome Taiwan is. And naturally that video actually got viewed way, way more by Taiwanese people. I was like, hold on a second. There's, there's something, you know, something to be had here. All I've done is said good things about Taiwan and I'm getting views. Um, <laughs> like, so I didn't want to be like the foreigner that just goes, oh, Taiwan is awesome. Wow, I'm trying this stinky tofu. Look at me, I'm a foreigner. I wanted to explore more cultural differences and things that I've noticed. And so right. I was quite blunt and i did more taiwan focused stuff which got way more views i did a video called why you shouldn't move to taiwan um, yeah that's a that's a that's a pretty bold title uh yes yes and i think a lot of people expect it to be like don't come to taiwan because you will get fat because the food is so good ha 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 and it definitely wasn't like that it was like you know if you are a foreigner who's not interested in in taiwanese culture or chinese culture or asian culture don't come here this is not the place for you. If you are a foreigner and you plan to be here for a long time and you don't, you have no interest in learning Chinese, don't come here. It's, it's going to be hard and, and stuff like yeah. that. So it was really quite um, honest feedback, I guess, uh, what I'm trying to say. 
And I think people really appreciate that sometimes, especially um, in a space where a lot of foreigners were just praising Taiwan. And some people could see through sort of the acting, if you like. Um, it is interesting that these videos about um, a foreigner's view on Taiwan are viewed the most by people here. Um, I mean, because it's, 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 it's hyper relevant, but also because I think people, when they get that that mirror, they see that mirror reflected on like where I'm living in the culture I'm living in and stuff. It's a, uh, it's, it's attractive in the, in the, in the, the magnetic sense. Um, I think, I think more so for Taiwan than other countries. For example, if a Taiwanese person went to England and made a video about, you know, why foreigners shouldn't go to England or, you know, how awesome is English food or why I love the queen or something like that, British people wouldn't care. And I think the reason especially applies to Taiwan is because Taiwan is oppressed a lot, especially by China, you know? So when they see foreigners actually acknowledging Taiwan, it's kind of the opposite to that. And it's kind of the, the yin and yang. It's like pushing the, the Chinese oppression away. So I think re people really appreciate that as well. In one of James's videos, I learned he had made a bucket list, a list of all the things he wanted to do while he still had the chance. And he followed through with an impressive amount of them, but I wanted to know what inspired him to make the list. The story starts with one of his earliest jobs as an apprentice for Rolls-Royce, learning to repair and maintain aerospace engines. I started as an apprentice uh, at the age of 18. So after three years, I became, uh, I went into my actual job as an aerospace engineer. And after five years, I graduated with my bachelor's degree because it was part-time. And then after seven years, I quit, which they weren't too happy about. So this was the point at age 25, or even before that, people were telling me, you're so lucky you've got the job for life. And that's that's so scary to me. That terrified me. You know, is, that when so you made the, is that when you made the bucket list? So I made the bucket. This was something that sat with me for a few years. And that bucket list grew over three or four years. That, that wasn't just like sat down and banged it out. That was something I added to every so often. And there were so many things on this bucket list from visiting the Great Wall of China, going to Goa in, in India to party, um, experiencing Chinese New Year in Hong Kong. So I went to my boss and said, um, I want to take a year off. And the next day they said, no, we can't do that. And I said, okay, then I resign. Yeah, my last day was like literally December 31st or something like that. And like January 5th, January 4th, I, I flew out to India and began a year off. So after overcoming a disability, leaving an established career and taking on a bucket list, it's clear that James has encountered no small amount of challenges. So I asked him what the most difficult video project has been for him so far. So there's a video that I made, which I've been planning for a very long time, even before I started learning Chinese. And I made it about a year ago. And it was me learning Cantonese and having my first ever conversation with my dad in Cantonese. So this was something I always wanted to do. You know, I always wanted to speak my dad's language. This is what started my curiosity about Asia. After I've reached a certain point in Mandarin Chinese, I decided I'm going to learn Cantonese. Like, how do I do that? And basically, I just went on like a, a teaching platform and just kept booking teachers. Like every day, I had a class almost every day for, for half an hour. And I bought this <laughs> book and I applied study methods for Mandarin, like what I knew worked. Because when I learned Mandarin, I had no idea how to learn a language. 
And I feel after you learn your first languages, the second, third, and fourth one become easier. So yeah, I just filmed that. I filmed all of my lessons. Um, and then after nine months, I called my dad and said, like, when are you free next week? Because I'm going to speak to you in Cantonese. Oh, um, this was a surprise. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, he had a clue. I had known. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. No, I, I studied entirely, like, I mean, it wasn't secret because I'm in Taiwan. I didn't, I just had to not tell <laughs> right. him. So it wasn't hard. <laughs> with these kind of things, you have no idea, like, am I going to stick with it? You know, is are these less lessons going to look interesting? I'm going to learn fast enough. How can I tell this in a way that make people interested? Is my dad going to like comply on video? So until I finished the video, there was no actual way of knowing if the video would ever be made, despite how much time and effort I put into it. Yeah. And then I just sat down and, and filmed myself. I told my story. I said why I didn't know Cantonese. And I just talked through the process. And I talked about how when we went to Hong Kong when I was younger, I tried to speak to the waiter in Cantonese. And the waiter just gave me the most confused look and said, I have no idea what you're saying. And then my dad said, oh, you said it all wrong. The tones were wrong. And I just felt like so demotivated there. And I was like, I'm never speaking Cantonese again. So yeah, right before that phone call with my dad, like those memories came flooding back. Just this idea of speaking to my dad, I was so nervous. And you could see this when, if you watch the video, like a lot of people saying they, they felt really emotional watching it. Mm. And so I had this conversation with my dad and, and he was just mm. basically like, well, like you've managed to learn this language living in a country that doesn't speak that language. And we can have a basic conversation and he just felt that's amazing. And then eight months later, it just exploded and Hong Kong got, you know, hold of this video and all these people were telling me, how, you know, they moved from Hong Kong to the West and they want their children to learn Cantonese and they're worried that they won't learn it. And now that they see my video, they think, okay, they can do it by themselves when they're older and parents of deaf kids have reached out and stuff like that. So that's, that's the reason I do it. I want to I inspire people. I want to help people. And that was actually one of the things on the bucket list, inspire someone. Like James said, the process of planning a video project can be a daunting task. Sometimes I wonder where I should even begin. Do we just passively write down ideas when we think of them, or do we actively sit down and try to think up as many as we can? So I asked James if he had any more tips for anyone who wants to get started. So for me, YouTube is something I want to enjoy, so I don't force myself. I also have a, a notepad with a lot of ideas on it, and sometimes they just need to be fleshed out or they need to be a little bit more, so they'll sit there for a while. When I have a good idea, I'll write a script. After I've scripted it, I will film uh, the A-roll, the talking headshot. And then I'll watch that talking headshot and I'll make a shot list of all the B-roll shots that I want. Sometimes I'm lucky I already have that shot. And sometimes I'll need to make an effort to go out and find that shot. Seems and it's, it's also good to film extra stuff, like you said, because in the future, you might need that bird shot or you might need that old man walking across the road. It might not be relevant to the video you made now, but your future self will thank you for it. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I've started doing earlier on, like the subtitle process. Oh man. Was yep. horrible. <laughs> not only just typing the English subtitles, I would then sit down either with my wife or, or something like this. I was asked like, can you help me translate? And it's not fair to keep asking people to do this for free or you know, try and do it yourself and get people to correct your mistakes. It's, it's not sustainable. Um, so I realized 
fairly early on, I, sh- I need to be spending money. I need to uh, find someone to do this for me. And it also pushes me to make the video because if I've you know, spent a little bit of money to get the subtitles done, you know, I better make the video now. As I close out this episode, I'd like to say thank you again to James Wong. You can check out his YouTube channel, James Wong Life, for some interesting perspectives on life in Taiwan and its place in the world. You can also find him on Instagram, again, at James Wong Life. And uh, yeah, feel free to ask me any questions, especially regarding Chinese, uh, being deaf or having deaf children. You know, even if you just want to have a chat, I'm up for it. Anyone who wants to have a chat, give me a shout. Hit me up. All right. James Wong, everybody. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Join my co-host Ryan Drillsma in next week's episode. And if we survive the epidemic, then I'll have another episode up in two weeks. Stay safe out there, everybody. Until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100.